Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Just to remind you again, we've reloaded the cash machine and the number you now need to know is €10,934.32. That's €10,934.32. Text play to 57557. That's 57557. If it's you, we call after 3pm. Answer your phone within five rings. Tell us the prize amount and you win the money. The cost is €2.50 plus your standard message rate to play and you have to be over 18. You're playing across the GoLoud network of stations. Full terms are on the website, newstalk.com. Again, that number is 10 €10,934.32 text plate 57557 and the very best of luck to you with that Tomlin with you standing in for uh, Sean today and uh, 53106 for your text or emails to afternoon at newstalk.com some of the things we've been talking about well we're getting an offer of a mascot uh, Frida Gorman in Trim is saying that she has a mannequin if they want it this is in connection with the missing mascot the Mead uh, ladies football team have had their mascot stolen and it was stolen a year ago and has been missing for a year but you know the match against Kerry is coming up now uh, next weekend and this weekend in fact so the mascot worked last year so it'll be lovely if they get hands on another one don't think the other one's going to make its way back so Frida Gorman in trim is offering a mannequin so we'll put them in touch together and see if we might be able to um, make that work um, uh Listeners saying, was it legs and everything? Sure, you, you would just break her apart like a Mr. Potato Head and then stuff her in a boot. Uh, make for an easy getaway. Sounds like you have a bit of experience there, if you don't mind me saying so. Um, I just took a mannequin to a repair shop. They bloody charged me an arm and a leg. There's a lot of comedians out there today, which is good. Um, on the subject of friends, we Josh was doing a report on that. My wife is still friends with the same people from primary school. We're talking 40-ish years now. I find it fascinating that they all grew up and are still the same people. It surprised me that people don't just grow apart after such a long time. Yeah, my wife is still very friendly with loads of people from her school in Kilkenny as well. Again, I only have the one uh, mate that I met at the Quelt. I didn't keep touch with any of the people in primary school or secondary school, uh, for that matter. You don't make many friends in life sure you don't um, I'm the party friend I love a good party and throwing a good party I found COVID very tough because of this but we've certainly made up for it since says Donald and another listener says my best friends have made me wet myself on many occasions we have such a laugh together it is a great mark of friendship says uh, Dean I don't know where to go with that to you. I'm, sure I'm sure you're over-egging it there somewhat but I know where you're coming from I know what you're saying yes um, we all learned who our friends are during COVID so many people like thought were friends uh, never checked in and even after just kept to themselves pity but that is how it goes I guess um, yeah you know who your friends are there's no question about that and just we're also about older people continuing to have a healthy and enjoyable sex life in time to come we'll all be wearing headsets those VR yokes to have sex no sex uh, no risk of damage to our backs or hips uh, it sounds like something from Black Mirror but really will be reality before we know it now when you say that um that's that's sex on your own there really is it that that you're talking about that's not what we're talking about at all now it's just with somebody else and and it's an intimate and joyful and rewarding experience is is what we're talking about 53106 your text and that or emails to afternoon at newstalk.com now the space jacket worn by Buzz Aldrin during the first successful landing on the moon has been sold at auction in New York for $2.8 million. But what does it look like? And how have spacesuits evolved over time? Joining me now to discuss this is Dan Kendall, curator of the National Space Centre in Leicester in the UK. Dan, how are you today? 
I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having thanks, me on. Thanks very much for joining me. Can you tell me a bit about this? It's it's the space jacket he was worn. He wore during the flight, is it? That's right. Yeah. To, to, to be perfectly clear, so uh, everyone that sees the headlines that are flagging up at the moment about the fact that Buzz Aldrin has sold this, it's not his space suit. It's the clothing that he would wear inside the spacecraft. So an astronaut, particularly on the moon missions, you only wear the spacesuit, the kind of thing that you can go outside of the spacecraft in for all of the particularly dangerous parts of the mission. So the launch, um, when you're docking spacecraft together, or, of course, as Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong did when you actually go out onto the lunar surface. When, when you're inside the spacecraft, it takes a long time to get to the moon. You might be, you know, it's, it's three days potentially that you're travelling for. And, and at that point, they're allowed to get into more comfortable clothes. So it's, it, they, we call them flight suits. It's, um, it's known as in-flight coverall garment. It's a, it's a cool NASA-looking white jacket, that had a matching pair of trousers and boots as well. Um, and underneath all of that, they'd be wearing essentially a giant pair of long long johns, constant wear garment. Um, and it just so happens that we actually have Buzz Aldrin's training constant wear garment on display here at the National Space Centre in Leicester, um, but n- not used on the mission, which right. makes a, a big difference. Yeah, I have to say, I'm looking at a photograph of the shirt, and I think it's a lovely looking shirt. You, you'd wear it now. It's kind of... That military style type thing that loads of people still find very fashionable, like a flight jacket type thing, only, only a shirt. Um, is it made of space age material or anything? It, it is, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a sad story, really. In that the, the first sort of in-flight coverall garments that the Apollo astronauts were wearing were flammable or they were made from not particularly space age materials. Uh, and, and back in the 1960s, the first Apollo mission, Apollo 1, uh, suffered a catastrophic failure on the launch pad um, during a testing um, a period that they were under and unfortunately there was a fire inside the cabin and all three astronauts lost their lives um, and after that when they started to realize and think about the the things that had gone wrong one of the things they worked on was making sure that all of the uh, the, the garments that they were wearing were completely inflammable so this jacket although it just it, yeah it looks like a nice cool jacket but it is made from something called beta cloth and it's essentially teflon coated silica fibers it's it's quite um quite a space age material and pretty similar to the outside parts of the spacesuits themselves but the key thing being that they're not flammable right so he would have worn this for the 3 days to the moon and the 3 days back from the moon um i'm kind of a bit amazed how come it's, it's his to sell would it, would that not be a national treasure belong to nasa yeah it is it is i mean it's one of the reasons why it's sold for so much is because most of these garments are in the um, smithsonian national air and space museum who had a, a long period of friendship with nasa so that at the end of missions nasa would give all of these important pieces of american history to the museum so that's where you'll find neil armstrong or mike collins from the same mission where their clothes went um the thing is that you know yeah this was work wear essentially you know this was his uniform that he was wearing but it was always a bit of a gray area as to who owned the stuff that came back from the moon so if it wasn't the the moon rocks for example which was um, nasa's property and is still studied today um there there've been uh, lots of cases where astronauts took things with them to the moon uh, that were, were then not needed by nasa after the fact so they kept hold of them and then many years later sold them at auctions it all kind of came to a head in 2012 when 
Um, NASA in the previous year had ended into a, a lawsuit with the Apollo 14 astronaut Ed Mitchell, um, who was trying to sell a camera. And it was a camera that was used on the surface of the moon, but he wasn't supposed to bring it back. There was no need to bring it back. They only wanted the film. So the flight plan had it down that you were supposed to just get rid of this camera, just dispose of it. But he thought, well, you know, I'll hang on to it. And then when he tried to sell it many, many years later, it, it yeah. caused a big debate. But in eventually in 2012, we got signed into American law um, that all of the Mercury, Gemini and Apollo astronauts were legally entitled to sell things and essentially the owners of things that they bought back from the moon or used on their missions that weren't considered um, mission critical or that, they'd, or that NASA had specifically requested to be bought okay. back for things like science. So ultimately... Buzz definitely owns this and he definitely has the right to, to sell it. But there, there's very few of them ever come to the market, which is one of the reasons why God um, so much broken the record. He's the last man standing from that team, isn't he? From that team, he is, yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's only ever been 12 humans set foot on the surface of the moon uh, and there's only four of them still alive. So it's one of the, the sad facts of this as we celebrate the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11 and the last moon mission, Apollo 17, is coming up to its 50th anniversary and... We've got a piece of moon rock from that mission on display here at the National Space Centre in Leicester. Um, and it's uh, it's an incredible thing to see and realise that actually 50 years is a long time ago it is, now. Lots it of is. people weren't alive when these, uh, when these yeah. missions happened. It's that era passing into into kind of, you know, distant history, really, isn't it? it um, is, yeah. I have to say one thing before I ask you about the, the, the um, development of suits over the years. I find the idea, if at some point as he approached the moon, he had to get out of that shirt and into the spacesuit. Uh, in what I imagine is the incredibly tight confines of of the capsule. Was that a very difficult operation? Yeah, I mean, it, it took quite a long time to get inside your spacesuit. You have to you have to get everything right. You have to um, plumb your spacesuit into the spacecraft that you're in, the lunar lander, so that it can be fed with the atmosphere, you know, the oxygen and everything that's keeping you alive inside your little bubble that is your spacesuit. Um, then you have to, then once they're plugged in. Um, and then you can start powering up the life support systems that are on the back of these spacesuits. At that point, you have to purge the atmosphere, get rid of the air inside that space inside that spacecraft on the surface, so that you can open the door and get out onto the moon, in which is a, a pretty much a near vacuum environment. Um, and yeah, I mean that, that's pretty scary stuff. And you, you don't want to be throwing your spacesuit on too quickly and not carrying out all of the checks. Right. Um, does that take long? Yeah, I think it was. It was. It, there was multiple steps to go through, and I think we're talking sort of like hours to make hours. sure that everything was correct. I mean, one of the things that's interesting from the auction is the other, the, an item that didn't sell was the um, the pen that Boz used to save the mission. So it's basically a felt tip pen that he stuck into. Um, uh, part of the control unit when the, a switch had basically been knocked off whilst he was getting suited up into his spacesuit, and if they couldn't have flicked that switch, they couldn't have powered up the uh, the the, accent, uh, the ascent engine that would actually get them off the surface. So they had to use a pen to jam it into this circuit breaker to complete the circuit and make sure that they could actually take How off again. Amazing and, and that God! Sell, but only because I think the reserve was was very high, and it's yeah. uh, another incredible piece of uh, <laughs> that's that's for the want of a nail stuff, isn't it? That is truly. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Now, I know you have a huge history in how spacesuits have developed, and you found a uh, history of this old spacesuit uh, that was developed in England, wasn't it? It is, yeah. It was something that was made, uh, or it was planned by um, the British Interplanetary Society. So, this is a group that set up in the 1930s. So, before anyone has ever travelled into space or before we've even sent anything into space. 
but they knew that the technology was moving in such a way that spaceflight was becoming a potential, you know, a reality in the not too distant future. So like-minded individuals would get together and they'd come up with plans for moon missions, for rockets. And eventually there was two in particular, Harry Ross and Ralph Smith, who during World War II, Harry Ross was working on this idea he had for a lunar spacesuit. So what would a spacesuit be like if you were going to live and work on the moon for a period of time? And although spacesuits appear in uh, early science fiction and there's some other nods to it here and there, this was the first really serious study where they got to the point that they'd written a paper on this. Ralph Smith, who was an artist, he drew schematic drawing uh, diagrams of the suit, how it, would gonna, how it was going to work, different layers to it. Um, and, you know, there's some interesting parallels between that and the Apollo suits that happened, you know, a good sort of um, 25 years later. But theirs was definitely not going to work, but it was it was certainly a really interesting idea. And as part of an exhibition we have here called Britain Space Race, looking at what Britain was up to after the war and during the time period that America and the Soviet Union were in the space race to try and land first on the moon. And we and we found this this story of how they'd come up with this idea of a, a, of lunar missions and in particular this lunar spacesuit and it had never been built it had always just been a pipe dream and we worked with um, a historic costume designer called Stephen Wisdom um, and we kind of became the latter day version of Harry Ross and Ralph Smith so he was the engineer who was just making this thing and um, whilst I was kind of saying oh yeah well what what materials would they have used what would they have had available to them back in 1940 and we and we made it out of only you actually stuff made it yeah, you yeah, managed so to make it. On, it's on display in the exhibition. It's this is the most incredible. You really have to see it to believe it. Well, I'm actually the, looking at a photograph of it. Um, yeah, so it looks like something from Jules Verne. It does. It's got a kind of. It's almost like a medieval knight. It's got a cape. It's got a shooting stick, so that if you need to sit down on your, uh, during your mission. Uh, and one of the really interesting things that they developed as a concept, because they were imagining working on the moon for quite a long period of time. By this point, you might have a base to work from. Um, and what they did is they created this suit that would, um, in a way that it would have an airlock in the chest. So the chest is quite voluminous. It's quite big. Uh, but it would mean that because you've got this concertina airlock with two door, a door inside the suit and a door outside, you'd be able to pass a rock inside, seal it back up. And then you'd be able to have a look inside your suit. And and because this was 1940s Brits, they were also thinking they could perhaps have their sandwiches passed out of an airlock <laughs> into the suit so they could eat on the surface of the moon inside the suit. And even NASA have not managed to achieve a way of doing that up to today. <laughs> that really is amazing. And it also it had uh, cooling systems for during the day and heating systems for during the night. Yeah, that's right. And again, we, we've only ever been to the surface of the moon. Like those 12 moonwalkers on the handful of missions that NASA achieved back between 1969 and 72. And all of those were during the lunar daytime, um, different times of day. But it was always yeah, essentially during the day when the sun was shining on them, um, technically sort of in the lunar morning when the before it gets as hot as it possibly can do. But yeah, they, they were imagining also potentially going to the other side of the moon um, uh, and uh, visiting during the night when it's not facing the sun, um, in which case you're suddenly in incredibly cold temperatures. So they were thinking about how you regulate the temperature. It's not just about putting atmosphere around the humans, keep them alive and protecting them from any micrometeoroid impacts that might be um, bouncing into the surface of the moon at incredibly high speed. Yeah, it was also about making sure that they could actually cope with incredibly extreme um, temperature differences so that inside the suit you still remain nice and comfortable. Wow. 
God, you have to say, uh, science and space and exploration brings out the most fantastic creativity in, in the human race, doesn't it? Um, it does. The ideas are marvellous. Dan, that was absolutely fascinating. Thank you very much for joining us today. That's uh, Dan Kendall, the curator at the National Space Centre in Leicester in the UK. Uh, so you think you're an adult is on the way. We'll have a few very soon. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm. On News Talk.